Hello, I'm Emile Billet, founder of Vespod and author of You're Not Broke, You're Pretty Rich, and you're listening to The Wallet. Every week, we give you the best tips, guidance, and a good dose of inspiration and motivation to manage your money better. How to ask for more and overcome the fear of rejection. How can we recognize our worth and ask for more money? It's scary to think that in 2023, we are still having issues around equal pay. What are the main drivers behind this problem and how can women earn more? My guest today is Insa Falassini. She's an international banking lawyer, expert and coach in salary and rate negotiation, career and business mentor, host of a podcast called Majeste Valor, My Fair Value, and author of a book just published in France, Autune Citoyenne, How to Take Back Your Money Power for Women. So this year, let's overcome our imposter syndrome, learn more about negotiation, whether you're a full-time employee, a freelancer or an entrepreneur, and how to build your network as well as write your narrative that will help you earn more in 2023. We can do it! Want to give your money an opportunity to grow this year? Wealthify makes investing simple by choosing and managing your investments for you. And if you open a Wealthify plan and invest at least £50 by 30th of June 2023, they'll give you an extra £50. Terms and conditions apply. New customers only. The offer is capped at the first 500 customers. Find out more and claim the offer at wealthify.com slash the wallet. With investing, your capital is at risk and you could get back less than you put in. Wealthify is regulated and authorized by the Financial Conduct Authority. Remember that we are not certified financial advisors. Information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. So I'm so happy to have you here at the beginning of 2023. Um, we've had a tricky 2022. You know, women are, I mean, we all are in a tricky place as inflation, the cost of living is going up. But what we've seen is that people don't get paid a lot more money. So I wanted to have you on the show today to talk about salary negotiation, how can we ask for more. And we'll also talk a little bit about also the gender pay gap and why there's like so much disparity between between men and women. Um, with your book, with your podcast, with your with your workshops, all the work you do, um, you talk a lot about uh, having a fair value. Can you explain uh, what that means, please? When I say you have a fair value, what I want to say is that, you know, let's let's take an example. Let's say that you want to sell your house and uh, before selling your house, you go on the real estate market and you look up at the at the prices. You define a high and a low range and the threshold below which you can lose money. And I have realized that uh, we women, when we uh, decided to sell our competence, our expertise, our qualification, our experience on a certain topic, on a work topic, we don't do this job. You know, we don't do this work. We don't look uh, look up for our fair value on the labor market. So we, 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 we drop this power to the recruiter, to the employer, and we wait for him to tell us what is our value. And by saying you have a fair value, what I am basically saying is that we have to take responsibility of taking back our power when it comes to money, when it comes to money, when it comes to uh, defining what would be the right and the fair price of our qualification and define it and then vocalize it, assume it and uh, embody it. 
And I'm sure today you're going to give us a, a lot of tips on, on how to do that, because of course, I, I love that. And I think women should earn a lot more money and, you know, understanding our worth is super important. Um, but if we, if we just take a step back, you know, it's, you know, 2023, we're still having issues around equal pay. Can you tell me what are the main drivers behind this problem? I think this is our patriarchal society, bottom line. You know, we can, this is a very systemic problem. I mean, we go, we women are very educated uh, human beings. Usually we go to school and uh, we go to college and we pay like, um, like crazy and, and ridiculous amount of money to get educated. And uh, when we when we finish school, we learn how to do a job. We basically learn a job. We learn to be a journalist, to be a lawyer, to be a doctor, to be a data scientist, whatever. But we never learn how to earn our proper money. And I think it's a, it's it's a matter of education. We are not educated financially, and so since we are not educated financially, and we are living in a patriarchal society, the problem is that. If you are not, uh, if you don't grow up in a family that is educating you financially, <laughs> unfortunately, you will uh, you will come and you will arrive to the job market with all these sets of beliefs of what you think it's pretty fair and what you think it's not and what you think you should do and what you think you should not do and what you think are the uh, the rule of the games the rules of the game. And you, you don't know the, the basics on how to define your, the price of your competence, how to negotiate a salary, how to ask for a raise, how to um, deal with the counter offer and how to do all those things. You don't know how to manage your money. You don't know how to invest it. So you don't know, uh, starting from, you don't know how to earn money. You don't know how to earn a fair living. And then you don't know how to use it, how to save it and how to, uh, to make it work for you uh, going forward. So this is a whole problem, a whole systemic problem. And I think that if we want we women to take back our power, our money power, we need to start from the beginning and learn how to negotiate a fair salary or a fair rate when you are a business owner or when you are a freelance. And when you, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. And it is something I, I also observed when, you know, I was working in, in finance uh, before. So in the workplace, it happens. And I tend to see my male colleague, colleagues actually going and, and, and asking for more. Why do you think men are more inclined to actually uh, do it? Because I think they are raised differently than women. Little boys are raised to be adventurous. They are raised to uh, assume and embody their leadership. And they are raised to have a certain leadership. If you don't have a certain leadership as a man you are not really considered as a man. You know, this is the saying that we see on Twitter, the hashtag, like, big dick energy. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, men I raised, little boys are, are raised to have this kind of big dick energy, which uh, involves money, for sure. But when you are a woman, you are raised to just, like, be on the side and just sacrifice yourself for the team, sacrifice yourself for your family, and just um, forget how your priorities uh, for the priorities of others. So you are not uh, raised to, uh, you know, to um, to have money, to deal with money, to uh, 
to, to feel this energy and uh, make sure that you can earn money. Basically, the, the only ambition that is accepted as a woman is to marry someone who, who, like a man who is rich. This is the only ambition that we accept. And this is why we get so excited when, you know, a random girl is marrying like a prince or uh, marrying like a big guy with a big wallet. Uh, but we will more, we will respect more a woman that is doing uh, a good mariage than a woman that is earning a seven figure, like um, who is doing like a, a seven figure uh, salary, for instance, or having a seven figure business. We'll talk about what women can do, but in, in, in the current environment, you know, are there any, because that's quite a big responsibility for women to, you know, completely change our habits, change our beliefs and go and ask for more. And of course, you know, education is, is, is part of that. But is there, you know, any like structural changes, um, you know, steps, policies company can take or government to help um, empower women in the workplace and make sure that women are paid the same as men? <laughs> I would be like uh, blatantly <laughs> honest here, <laughs> uh, Emily. I think that like companies, the workplaces know what to do to stop, uh, like to end the gender uh, the gender pay gap. They just yeah. have to pay women. Yeah, that's it. Like that. This is the end of the story. We can try to find a solution that are more acceptable for their ego. And say yes, maybe you can do this, you can do that. Maybe, maybe women need to take responsibility. Maybe women need to find their voices. Blah blah blah. I think that women have a voice. They know how to use it now. Like company has have to listen to it and listen to women and not, um, you know, when a woman is asking for a raise, uh, you have all these gender biases that come uh, in between uh, with its uh, her demands. And unfortunately, uh, it is not welcomed as it would be if she was a man. So we can try to figure out things, but and or we can try to think to see things as simple as they are. You want to end the gender pay gap? Fantastic. Well, please pay us. That's it. Okay, great. So now we need the power. We need we need the money in SAF. So let's go into into negotiating our salary and, and knowing our worth. I mean, this is really important. You talk about this this fair value a lot. Um, a lot of women may not be actually comfortable asking for more. So where can you get started in 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 your preparation and having the right mindset? Uh, first of all, I think that we need to address um, the fear of reject yeah. rejection, the fear of inadequacy, and the fear of judgment that women feel when they are asking for more. Basically, they have put in place like a confidence relationship with their manager or with their clients, and they fear that they will be rejected and they will like broke this relationship, this human relationship that they have put so much effort in building it by asking for more. So before giving you like concrete tips, I just want to tell to any uh, uh, woman that is listening to this podcast, please ask for more because if you don't ask, you don't have. So please stop uh, fearing, like stop having this fear of rejection, uh, this fear of inadequacy of or of judgment. If you can prove 
And if you feel deep down your guts, and if you can prove with the data of the labor and the job market that you deserve more and you need to be paid more, please ask for it to your employer. And if he refuses, it's because this raise is long way due and he doesn't want to respect you. Bottom line. So this is like the, the, the primary word that I would say to any uh, any woman that is listening to us. Now, if we move forward to the concrete tips, I would say that I will give you like three tips. The first one is that please look up for your market price. This is as simple as it is. As I told you before, if you happen to want to sell your house on the real estate market, you will look up for um, like the, the prices of the market. You will define like a high range and a lower range, and you will define a price below which you will lose money. You have to do the same for your qualification. You have to do the same for yourself. So please look up at uh, at your market price. I I can uh, you can listen to the podcast My Fair Value. I give you thousands of tips and concretely and step by step how to do it. But I think that this is the first thing that you have to do. Then, as a second tip, I would say that once you know what is your fair value, your fair price on the job market, what you need to do is you need to define a strategy that is based on your life goals and your priorities. You know, why I, why I given you this, this advice is because you have a lot of in-kind advantages that you can negotiate, negotiate like, um, uh, like, um, you can negotiate, um, you can add to your salary, to your uh, base salary. You can negotiate uh, like a performance bonus. You can negotiate a car. You can negotiate uh, like uh, to, to be trained or to go to college or to, to do a lot of things. So please define what are your priorities and try to make them fit with an in-kind advantage. Then as a third bonus, uh, as a third uh, tip, sorry, which can be seen as a bonus, <laughs> I would say that um, you have to let go of your imposter and your good girl <laughs> slash student syndrome. We women are believe that uh, we need to uh, like uh, have uh, like tick one hundred percent of the boxes before doing a job, before applying to a job. We need to uh, like to have super performance before asking for a raise. Um, no, I'm sorry. Uh, you're doing your job. If you if what you are doing is below uh, what you have been. Um, you have been hired for, you ask for a raise, bottom line. And, you know, this is what we are also um, seeing with the movement, uh, the quiet quitting movement. People doesn't want to do more than what they are paid for. And I think that if you are doing more for what you are paid for, it is uh, pretty much fair that you're asking for more as well. So please uh, let go of this imposter syndrome, let go of the good girl or uh, the good student syndrome before I understand that you think that, uh, you know, the workplace is some kind of an extension of school and you want to have good grades. Uh, so you think that if you're working a lot, you will have like at school, if you're working a lot, you have good grades. And you think that uh, uh, in, in your workplace, if you're working hard and you're working good, you will have a good salary. No, this is not what, uh, this is not the, the rule of the game. So the rule of the game is that if you work hard, you ask for a raise and then you will have it. 
That's it. If you don't ask, you don't have. So that will be my three tips, basically. Oh, that's that's super, super helpful. And and I think this, you know, automatically as asking for more and it's almost like, you know, scheduling this, this time of, you know, every year or whatever, I will just go and ask for more because that's what people actually get more money uh, are doing. When we When we ask for more, how do you know how much you should get paid and how much you should ask? You know how much you should get paid and how much uh, you should ask for by looking up to your fair prices on the job market. This is the data that you have to collect to make sure that you have the good information. Because the tricky thing with, with the salary negotiation or when you're negotiating your rates is that usually your employer or your manager, your boss is saying, well, this is... Um, This is how uh, this is what we think it's fair for you. So if you don't have like um, factual data, factual data that can, that can be verified, that can be verified and not being contested, then you put the discussion that you are having on your salary not on the emotional side. You know, when I say emotional side, meaning that on the subjective side, meaning that I think that I should be paid X. And your employer or your boss saying, I think that you should be paid Y. So we, we move forward from this emotional, this subjective uh, side to go on the factual side. The job market is saying that I should be, uh, should be paid, should be paid around uh, X euros, X um, pounds, X dollar, USD, X uh, blah, blah. So I believe that a salary or a rate around this amount would be fair for me. That's it. And when you are having this type of language, which is a rational language with your employer, you can make sure that uh, you will have whatever you ask for. And what about for, for us who are independent? So you talk, talk in the book about, you know, entrepreneur and how we can um, ask for mm -hmm. more and know how much we, we should be asking. So I think understanding your worth, um, you talked about that, but more practically, you know, how should you set your rates um, when, when, when you work for yourself? When you work for yourself, when you are a freelance or a business owner, it's very difficult because usually you set up a price that is very, very much linked to what you yeah. think you are worth. Meaning that if you have self-confidence, you will believe that your job is highly, is of high quality and you will set a price that is rather high than low. But if you don't believe in yourself, And don't have like, a, if you have a lack of self-confidence, what you will, you, what you will usually do is that you will think that by um, having like uh, very low prices will bring you a lot of customers, which is a very, very, very bad. <laughs> And it, it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work this way. And I understand you because when you are launching your business or when you are a freelance you have this huge amount of financial anxiety. You know, you don't have this uh, security, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the security of the earning that you have when you are, uh, when you, you're working as a, like, as an employee in a company. So you have to, to, like, 
so you have to earn your money and you have to be proactive in earning that money. So it's a lot of uh, anxiety for a woman. So my advice, first of all, would be, uh, and, I, and I will tell, and I tell all my clients that are freelancers or business owners, your prices are the vitrine of your um, of the quality of your work. So if you have high prices, people will think that your work is of high quality. But if, if you decide to practice a, a politic of uh, very low uh, rates, the problem is that any person that will drop by your um, website, Facebook page or whatever, they will think that well, your work is cheap. So please... <laughs> Before putting a place, a strategy or a, a, like a rate policy or, or, or before putting up your prices, please make sure and have in mind that they will show how much, how much your work is of quality or not. So this is the first thing that I will say. Now, what I will say, the, the second advice that I, I, I give to my clients uh, that are freelancers or business owners owner is that We think that negotiating um, a price with a client or someone that we hope would, would be our client is a matter of self-confidence. I don't think it is a matter of self-confidence. I think it is a matter of courage. It is a matter of leadership. Why I'm saying that? Negotiation and negotiating money, especially for women, is a matter of courage because it's like jumping in hot water. Um, is like running a marathon. It's like something, it's a skill that you have to train yourself doing it if you want to acquire, acquire that skill. So if you, if you want to be like a hell of a negotiator, if you want to make sure that you are pretty much aware and fully aware of your, uh, of your works and make sure that whatever happens, you will not settle for less than your fair value, you have to train yourself negotiating for it. And In order to train yourself, you need to have the courage to take the leap of faith and ask for what you deserve in front of a client. Even though you are, have, you are having difficult times, even though it is a, 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 it is a period when uh, you don't have a lot of clients, even though it is possible that the client is, could walk away. And all this thing is a matter of courage and is a matter of leadership. I know that women um, think, like a lot of we women, a lot of us at least, have a lack of self-confidence. And I want to tell you, and I want to tell them, please stop looking at your self-confidence. We all have like some issue, uh, issues with self-confidence, depending on the day, depending on the topic. But please just try to be courageous, at least do your best to be courageous and to say no when you need to say no. Because it's a negotiation Never start when you say yes, it starts when you say no. And when someone says no. Just to give you like, there is a quote that I love, uh, which is from J.K. Rowling, uh, the writer of Harry Potter. I'm sure that all your uh, <laughs> other people that are listening to this podcast know who I am talking about. On one of the books of Harry Potter, she's, she, she, she's saying, and she, this is, there is this quote saying that it takes a lot of courage to face people that we love and people that we trust. There's not, not much courage facing people that we don't like or our enemies. And it is the same um, in our lives. You know, it takes a lot of courage going to your boss that you absolutely love 
and say, look, I love you. I love working with you, but now you need to pay me because my salary is not the fair. Um, this is not the fair prices on the market. It takes a, like a hell of a, of a lot of courage. And same by saying to um, our coworker that we love, we love you. I love you, uh, but I need to take this promotion because I need to uh, like move on on my career. And even though I'm afraid that you don't like me because I have to, taken this promotion and I have taken this uh, this uh, this raise, I want to face it and I want to uh, to go with it. Meaning that it takes a lot of courage to do things that uh, are difficult. Uh, so I hope that. Uh, Anybody that will listen to this podcast uh, will uh, will know that uh, in any case, stop trying to build your self-confidence. Try to build your skill of courage. Thanks, Insaf. It's super, super motivating. And, and it always comes back to, yeah, money. What is money for you? Having this, this difficult conversation. So I guess the, the more we actually talk about that, um, the easier, the easier it will it will get over time. When, when we're going for like a, a salary negotiation, You know, what is what is the timing of, of that? What happens if you have an offer you're not happy with? How do you, do you counter offer? I mean, do you go like yearly for salary negotiation? Can you tell me a little bit how that works with, with the timing and maybe when, when do you prepare for these negotiations? I would say that the best timing would be six to three months before your annual, uh, uh, your end of year performance review. Why this is important to uh, to start uh, to start the process six months to three months before this uh, performance review? It's because when you are negotiating, um, you will ask for something. Of course, maybe they would say yes, like <laughs> immediately. And if so, bravo, <laughs> you are very lucky, or you are very uh, very uh, very uh, performant in negotiating things. But usually, what happens is that you ask for something. Let's say you ask for A plus B plus C. And they come back by saying, okay, we can give you A plus B, but C, it's not possible. And then you go back, you know, and, you know, you have all this discussion, this go, uh, um, this, the, this, uh, this discussion that uh, is going between you and the HR and your boss. And you, are, you have all these information that are circling back to you and then blah, blah. So it's very important to, to give yourself six months to three months in order to make sure that you have enough time to have to run all the discussions to make sure that even though there are some kind of, uh, you know, holidays in between, uh, they will not come back to you and say, oh, okay, I'm sorry, but uh, given the holidays, we will see what uh, we will do next year, but for this year, it's not possible. And plus, you, you are sure that you have enough time. So when you have enough time, you um, have less pressure on having a, an immediate result. So I would say three to six years, six months before asking, uh, like before your end of year performance review. Um, but um, also, I think that this is the like the the general rule. But as an additional rule, I would say that you need to use your emotional intelligence to know what would be the perfect timing, because sometimes you are leading a project and you are putting a lot of work on it. And you succeed and you take this project to an end. It's a, it's a big success. And at the end of the project, it's perfect timing to ask for a raise. So you have to, uh, 
to decide and define what what is the best time for you, depending of uh, your work environment, the psychology of your boss, etc. So you can use either like the general rule and wait six to three months before your uh, your end of year uh, performance review, or you can try to be more like politic and uh, and use your emotional intelligence to like take the opportunity, take one opportunity to ask for what you deserve. Uh, at a at a very moment. Thanks, Insaf. And 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 what happens if um if you have an offer you're you're not happy with or you ask for a raise, and and you feel you're you're not getting um where you are? How do you do you negotiate these like counter offers? I think that the first tip that I would give um to the auditors is that when you ask for something, put a timing, meaning that. If you ask for a raise, you're having, so you schedule a meeting with your boss and, or with the HR and uh, you're having this meeting and you vocalize the fact that you want a raise. Let's say a 20% raise. And they say, okay, uh, super, Emily, uh, we will, uh, we will look at your demand and we will get back to you as soon as possible. Usually people stop at this very moment. What you should do is that say, like reply, thank you very much. What is as soon as possible? Do, we th do you think that I will have an answer by next Thursday, by two weeks' time, by one month's time? Could you please give me like uh, just uh, some visibility on when you think it would be possible for you to get back to me? Why it is important to put a timing and be proactive on putting the timing is because if your interlocutor says, okay, I think that I can back get back to you by two weeks' time, When you will um, chase this, this person or, um, or send an email two weeks after your initial meeting asking for uh, some feedback, she won't be able to say or he won't be able to say, okay, you've been difficult here. So we told you that we will look at uh, your demand and we'll get back to you when we think it's the, the more appropriate time. Because they felt like they have the duty to get back to you in two weeks' time. So it's very important for you to be proactive in putting up some, you know, uh, milestones, milestones on your negotiation. So this is the first thing. Once you are the master of the timing and you know that people like HR people or your boss will get back to you in, let's say, two weeks time or one month time or next week. And they come back to you by saying, No, I'm sorry, Emily, but uh, we have look up, uh, looked up to your demand. And unfortunately, even though we are really appreciate work, unfortunately, we cannot give you anything this year. But let's try to see what we can do next year. At this very moment, your power is to say no. Your power basically is to say, okay, can you like help me understand why this is not possible this year? Just with this sentence, can you please help me understand why this is not possible this year? You force them to give you factual reasons on why they cannot give you a raise this year. And so if they don't have factual reasons, they will say uh, blah, blah, blah. They will don't know basically how to say. And if they don't know what to say, you will have the advantage by saying, okay, so basically you don't know exactly why this is not possible this year. So can you please look up again and see what we can do? My, I have a solution. I have an offer. I think that maybe if you cannot give me 20% raise, let's say you asked for a 20% raise, maybe you can give me a performance bonus, bonus of 10% uh, 
and then um, you can give me a car or you can you can like pay my tuition fees for this training or like offer me the services of a coach or whatever or let me work like four days instead of five days or give me more remote work whatever you want to to ask for but you will be in a position to put a place a, a counter offer and if they t- tell you we cannot provide you we cannot give you a raise be- because we are sorry but we don't have money this year okay so what we can give me instead Can you give me a bonus, a performance bonus? Can you give me some advantage, like in-kind advantage? Can you give me like shares? Can you give me more holidays? What can you give me? And and this is important. And this is why I said before that it was important for you to build a strategy that is based on your life priority and your career goals. Is because when your interlocutor, the HR or your boss, say no, we cannot give you what you ask for in first uh, instance. You are, you have the ability to be proactive and make the counter offer to make sure that no will not be the end of the discussion, but the start of the discussion. That's like a lot of tools to actually, you know, get prepared and, and, and get ready. Um, I was just reading some, uh, research that I'm sure, you know, you've, you've quoted many times where, where women negotiate more assertively for other individuals, such as their employees, mm-hmm. for example, than they tend to do for themselves. Why do you think this is and how can we sort of, you know, leverage that? Is there a way that women can help each other to actually, you know, bridge these gaps? I think that uh, women negotiate better for others just because when they negotiate for others, um, they put this distance between themselves and the outcome. So they don't take it personally, basically. This is the, like, (laughs) this is the heart of the problem. When you take things personally, the problem is that you're getting emotional. And this is what I am trying to do with my fair value, is trying to help women and teach them how to be factual rather than emotional when it comes to money. When women negotiate salaries or when business owners or freelancers are negotiating their rates, they have this feeling that they are negotiating who they are in like who they really are like this is super emotional and they have the feeling that it's all about who they are their identity etc but it's not like this is why we say business is not personal it's not about your identity it's not about you um, inside who you are etc your values your uh, your um, uh, your beliefs etc it's more about what is the price of the competence What is the price of the qualification that I that I have I am having and that I will use for this employer, for this client, in order for him or for her to make more money, to reach its goal, his his uh, or her economical goal or goals. This is as simple as that. So when you distance yourself from who you are and your competence, it is more easy to negotiate because you know. It's the same thing if you go to, uh, if you go to one, I don't know, if you go to, uh, let's say, a bakery and you ask for a croissant and the croissant is like, let's say, two, two euros. And you say, mm, I'm sorry, but, you know, there's a lot of bakery around. So I'm not sure that your croissant worth two euros. I am willing to buy it and to pay, but only for one euro. The baker will tell you, thank you very much. Now get the hell out of my bakery. This is the same for you. 
if your uh, competence, if your expertise, if your experience, if your qualification, if all this set of qualification that you are putting on the table works based on the labor market, um, let's say 10, don't, uh, don't accept less than 10. I'm sorry, but this is not the fair uh, uh, price market. So it's all about distancing yourself. Um, so, and not taking things personally. Now, if I would have to answer your question about what women can do to help other women get there, I would say that we women have to start by stop judging each other. I think this is the, the main thing that we have to do, you know, because even though you have taken some distance and you're not taking your, uh, your, um, your negotiation personally and your factual, your rational, blah, blah. The problem is that it is we women, we have this like tremendous fear of rejection, of inadequacy, of judgment of others. So if you see a woman that is like doing a great negotiation and, 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 and like navigating very well with this, uh, this skill and, and she can make some money, Instead of trying to judge her, um, because we see we, we see that uh, in the workplaces, you know, when you see uh, one uh, member of the team getting above the other one of the team, the problem is that uh, they they judge he, they judge this this person, and so what I would say is that we need to be more um, more kind with each other, and we 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 need to uh, to really try to. Um, Yes, to give our um, to give our strength to all strength to all these women that are getting in the field, um, leading those battles. Because when a woman is negotiating her fair value and a raise or a fair salary, she is opening the door for all other women. So yes, if we can try to stop comparing ourselves to others and stop trying to judge others and other women, that will be like a good start. Yeah, and that should make our life a bit easier. <laughs> uh, any final tips on, on, on salary negotiation or, or rates, or if, you, if you're an entrepreneur, or, or any final words, please, Insaf? I deeply think that people, clients, or employer, or boss, HR, whatever, they know your worth. They just hope that you don't. So this is words that are, those words are just, I'm just saying those words because I'm trying to tell people that usually you are not aware of how magnificent you are. You're not aware of all your strengths. You are not aware of how uh, your, your work is appreciated or how your work is of high quality, etc. And you tend to lower your prices. You tend to lower your salary and you tend to lower your expectations because you don't believe in yourself. So I would say that you have to be your biggest fan, your first biggest fan, and you have to see in yourself what others don't see in you or what, and more than what others see in you. So, yes, just try to love yourself, you know, um, being a good negotiator and being able to, um, to, like, to earn anything in this life is about... Uh, being able to love ourselves um, sufficiently to make sure that we have the courage to ask for what we deserve. So voila, if I can tell some final words, it just to be like, it would just be 
love yourself because you deserve it. And uh, you deserve to show in this world and to show up in this world as your best self and with the best salary and your best money. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Wallet. Please share this show with your friends and subscribe on your favorite platform. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It only takes a few seconds, but it helps more people find our show. Join us again next Thursday for another episode of The Wallet. I will be discussing with Lauren French, an investment manager at Ruffer, about investing when markets are volatile, protecting your downside, and recognizing financial bubbles. <laughs>